because this is actually going to be a two-week thing back-to-back. I'm going to tell you half the story now and the other half next week because it's such a cool story. It's kind of sad all at the same time, but it's cool. Lord God, I'm so glad that you're not a judge with a big X button waiting to hit it. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you're not watching us and, and just judging our performance. You do look to the heart. We want our hearts to belong to you more and more every day. God, we want to know you. That's why we're in your word more. That's why we have this. Because we want to encounter you. We want to know more about you, your character, your heart, your kingdom, your plan for us, how we can walk in, in, in rhythm with you, how we can be a part of what you're doing in the world. God, we, we just need your word, Lord, to help, just to help us know, you know, true north, where we're going, what we're doing. So, Father, we just, would you illuminate our hearts and our minds today? Help us to just to, to see the word, to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Chapter 14 of Second Chronicles. Did you know that, that the two books of Kings and the two books of Chronicles basically tell the same story? Those are four books of the Bible that are describing the history of Israel and their monarchy uh, all the way from, from the rule of David, the ascension of David, and all the way to Babylonian captivity. Um, and, and, and Chronicles sort of, they, they say the same story, but Chronicles has a little bit of a different perspective. And I, I don't want to deep dive too much into biblical history. I want to assume that you, you, you probably have a basic understanding that um, after King David had united all these tribes into one major kingdom, his kingdom expanded. He was renowned for uh, his power and his esteem. He died and he passed that kingdom on to his son Solomon. Uh, and, and Solomon continued to grow the kingdom and expand the kingdom in incredible ways. And his wisdom and his wealth were renowned around the world. Um, after Solomon died, though, there was civil war among the family uh, in, in that royal line, and, and the kingdom was divided. Um, and some of the tribes chose one king as their leader, one, one son, and another group of the tribes said, no, we, we reject that king, we actually think this king is the right one. And so two kingdoms emerge. We call them the kingdom of Israel in the north, sort of these in the northern part, and then the kingdom of Judah in the south. And kingdom of Israel had most of the tribes, uh, and the kingdom of Judah had just a smaller selection of them. So all of Israel split, kingdom of Israel then in the north, kingdom of Judah in the south. The, the books of Chronicles focus on that southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. So there's a lot more emphasis given to those kings. They do tell whatever happens up in the north to their northern neighbors, but they're less concerned about that. They really want us to understand, you know, the, what, what's happening in the, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of Judah. So one of those kings was a guy named Asa. He was, the, I think, the fifth in line um, in, in the lineage after King David serving in that line. And the, the chronicler, the writer of this, gives us two, uh, three chapters to his life. A lot, of, a lot of bandwidth is given to Ace's life. Sometimes they just mention the, uh, the, 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 the particular king in passing, and they kind of tell a few things they skip over. But three chapters is given to Ace's life, and I love his story. And the, chron and, and the writer of Chronicles and also the writer of Kings, they tend to summarize 
the kings that they're describing in one of two ways. They will say either, they'll give them like a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down in their writing. I'm, you know, and, and they will either say, <clears throat> King Chuck did what was good in the eyes of the Lord. That's how they will describe him, if he was a righteous king. Or they will say that, that, that King Cullen did what was wicked in the eyes of the Lord. No offense, Cullen, I'm just pulling you out, man. You're a good guy. You know, so they tend to, it's sort of like, it's very, it's, it's very binary. Either you do good in the eyes of the Lord or you do wicked in the eyes of the Lord. There's not a whole lot of in between, but you can kind of go through and circle these kings and realize that, you know what? The, 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 the kings who are on the thumbs down side are a whole lot more than the kings who are on the thumbs up side. There's a whole lot more wickedness in this kingly lineage than there is righteousness. We all know this is all part of the whole history of Israel, how they just continue failing God. They cannot live in, in, in covenant faithfulness. Ace was one of those who, it's, it begins this way, it says he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. So he's in this thumbs up column, like he's a good guy. The writer of this considers him a good king, but we're going to look at his story today and next week. We're going to realize eh, there's a little bit of gray in there. You know what? He's a, he's a good guy, but he kind of has his moments. And here's the cool thing, is that everybody in this column has their moments. Everybody in this thumbs up column kind of has those times of, man, we just dropped the ball. I mean, go back to David. Dude was like a man after God's own heart. He couldn't spend his hours in worship. He wrote the songs that we are you know, reading today. But he's also a murderer and an adulterer and all kinds of things, you know, so that's kind of the history of, of God's people, is that even in our best day, when we're going after God with all of us, still these things that kind of come up that God says, no, that's, that's not honoring to me. So I just want to go through his story. I want to land halfway through, give you maybe a takeaway or two, and then we're going to pick up next week with the rest of it. Y'all got it? Yeah, we got it, Brad. Good. Awesome. Let's go. All right. Chapter 14. 2 Chronicles 14, and Abijah rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king, and in his days the country was at peace for 10 years. That's good. Asa did, here's the, here's the, here's the thumbs up. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. By the way, he's reigning from roughly the early 900s BC till about 875 BC, if you care. Most of you don't care. It's okay. He removed the foreign altars. Listen to what he did. Okay, by the way, we're going to have a record of why he's in this thumbs up column. What did this guy do that was so amazing? Okay, first of all, it says this. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. And you're thinking, what the heck are all these things? Well, these are all, these are all uh, uh, sort of foreign pagan uh, religious shrines and rituals. And I bet you're thinking to yourself, why in the world are those there? Isn't Judah God's country? Isn't it God's people? You know, didn't he call for himself? Well, yes, he did. But that's the problem is they would say, oh, you know, yes, God, we want to serve you. But we sure do love all these other gods that our neighbors have. Can't we have Jesus plus? Can we have you plus all these things? So they would set up Asherah poles and worship the, 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 the goddess Asherah. Uh, Asterith, and they would put all these um, foreign altars in high places. So Asa comes in and he destroys all of these things. 
They were up under his father. His father was really not the best king in the world, you know, and he just, he, Asa comes in and says, no, this is not okay. It destroys all these things. Uh, verse, verse four, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of his, uh, God of their ancestors and to obey his laws and commands. So he, he issues these kingly decrees, executive orders, forbidding pagan worship in his country. He removes the high places and incense altars. High places were literal high places, geographically speaking, because they believed that in these high places, this is where the foreign gods would come when they would meet you. You would go up to this small high place, and you would erect a little shrine there to the god Molech or the god Baal, or take your pick. And, they, and, and Asa comes in and says, no, we're tearing all these things down. He destroys, he removes the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah. That tells you how pervasive this idol worship was. And the king, listen to this, the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at rest. No one was at war with him during these years, for the Lord gave him rest. I want to give you a couple words. I like things that rhyme. Here's my first word. Y'all say impressed. God was impressed. This is going to get really corny. I apologize. Am I, or am you can just hide your head. I'm about to embarrass you, baby. It's all right. <laughs> Y'all say impressed. God was impressed at what Asa was doing. God looked at him and said, man, this guy is after my heart. He wants to tear down the things that are wicked. And he wants to, you know, he wants to have a nation that honors me. So, and, and, and he, he, does, he does right in the sight of the Lord. Good and right in the eyes of, eyes of his Lord. Verse 2, so he was seeking, seeking after God. He was obeying what God said to do. He's removing all these things that offended God. God was impressed, and God gave them what? Rest. You're on it. This is good. God gave them rest. All right. So the Lord gave them rest. Um, verse 7, let us build it. So during the, and, and the Bible says it was about 10 years of peace. That's a good long time in ancient Near East to not have sort of military strife. That's a good long season. That's like, you know, that's awesome. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him and he's given us, here it is, rest on every side. So they built and prospered. So they seek after God, God blesses them, God protects them, and he gives them this season of rest. And, and he comes in and he says, look, you know what? While we have the season of rest, let's make our military even stronger. Let's build up our walls. You know, let's, let's, strengthen, let's strengthen our cities altogether. So they built and they prospered. After God was impressed, he gave them rest. But guess what follows? Rest test. It's time for a test. Verse 8. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah equipped with large shields and with spears and 280,000 from Benjamin. You should study the, the, the story of the Benjaminites. These are just bad warriors. These guys are awesome. They are skilled archers. They are renowned in Israel for their military strength. 
and he has eight, 80,000 from Benjamin armed with small shields and with bows. So a total of 500,000 men. All of these were brave fighting men, no cowards. You know, no stragglers, no hanging on. There, was no, there, were, no, there were no clerks. There was no administrative kind of, you know, supply chain military people. Every one of these were hardened, ready, combat ready men. And then the test comes. Zerah the Cushite. A Cushite, uh, in, in, in this story, this would be the region of the upper Nile in Egypt. So these would be Egyptians. This would be an, ar- an army from Egypt. Zerah the Cushite marches out against him with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots. That's the crazy thing about the Egyptians had chariots. People of Israel did not have chariots. They had a whole lot to go for, but nobody had a chariot in Israel. <laughs> and chariots were p- pretty awesome. You know, you can gain up a whole lot of speed and you combine that with somebody who knows how to fight from a chariot and it's, 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 a, it's, it's a formidable foe. And 300 chariots came as far as Marashe. Asa went out to meet him and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephatha near Marashe. Verse 11. This is the test here. What do we do when our enemy is coming to meet us on the field and we are likely outnumbered and out-armed. This same test has met many of the other kings in Israel's history. It's not the first time. Here's the test. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. I call this a version prayer. You know what version is? version is a Bible app, by the way. I think put out by Life Church in Tulsa. And I saw somewhere that they passed like into the billions downloaded mark or something like that. It's phenomenal has nothing to do with my story. I just thought it was interesting. This is not a me version prayer. You know what a me version prayer is? It's all about me. Lord, help me. I'm afraid. I'm small. I can't do this. I don't want to die today. I got family back home. I got plans next week. Please don't let me die. Those are sort of the me version prayer. This is not a me version prayer. This is a you version prayer. You know, circle how many times it says you in here. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, oh, help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we've come against this vast army. In other words, hey, God, listen. Hey, this is, we're, we're, God, we're doing you a favor here. It's on, it's on your behalf that we've come to fight this army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you, right? It's like, hey, God, listen, God, don't let them beat you in this. Asa knows. He he has this David kind of mindset that the enemies of me are the enemies of God. So he puts God to the battlefront. He has this this me version prayer, this you version prayer. And he calls upon the name of the Lord. And I believe that's not to oversimplify, but that, that really is the answer to any kind of test. Any kind of test that God gives us. 
We call upon the name of the Lord. We ask the Lord. We go into the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? What's your heart for me in this situation? So does Asa pass the test? Y'all say, yes, he does. Why does he pass it? Because of the Benjaminites? Nope. Because he has 500,000 men? Nope. Because he's got a great military strategy? Nope. He passes it because he calls on the name of the Lord. He allows the Lord to take responsibility for the battle. And that very thing happens. The Lord, y'all say the Lord, struck down the Cushites. Doesn't say Asa struck down the Cushites. The Lord says, all right, I got this. The Lord rolls up his sleeves. <laughs> he rolls up his sleeves and he goes to work. And he strikes down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled. Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. Y'all, God doesn't just win. He annihilates his foes. I'm excited about this. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Okay, you ever been in, 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 in high school or class or junior high or whatever else, college? And you have a test. And the test is whatever, essay, fill in the blank. Um, and you're stressing about it, you study it. You ever get to the end of the test and you'll see something called the bonus questions? And the bonus questions are, they're technically not part of the test. You've already passed the test. But the bonus question is like, it's there kind of, as if the teacher says, all right, I really wanna know what you're made of. Yeah, you get an A, but are you really like above and beyond? So, in chapter 15, God's going to give a little bit of a bonus question, almost like a little bonus test to see how deeply does Asa's heart belong to him. And God says, how am I going to do this? You know, I've already, I've already sent these thousands of men out there, you know, and, 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 and Ace called on my name and he responded. And God has this idea that he's going to send a prophetic word to Asa. Because God looks around, he still sees, you know what? There are still some things in your country that need addressing. Asa, you've done an incredible amount of work. You've done a lot of housekeeping, a lot of house cleaning, but there's still some things that or have you not addressed yet? And so God raises up a prophetic voice, a prophet named Azariah, and Azariah comes. And what's interesting, it says the spirit of God came upon Azariah. Now, for a long time, I've been, I circle anytime I see spirit of God. It's all over the New Testament, obviously, in Acts, etc. But in the Old Testament, you don't see it very often. It's there. He's there. The text Spirit of God is there, but not very often. You see it in Judges. You know, the Spirit of God came upon Othniel or upon Samson. And you see it in Exodus where the Spirit of God comes upon the elders and they begin to prophesy in the camp. You don't see it very often on the kings and in the story of the kings. But in, this, in, in, in 15, the Spirit of God comes upon Azariah. He's going to prophesy. He goes out to meet Asa. Asa's coming back from battle high. This guy, Asa is high on, on victory. 
he is just like pumped up, excited, believing, you know, and Asa, Asa, and Azariah comes out to meet him and says, listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. Uh-oh, what's wrong now? The prophet's coming out. We get nervous when prophets have something to say to us, Chuck. Get nervous. He says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. There's some conditions in there. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Gives a few verses of a history lesson here. Verse 7, but as for you, Azariah says, be strong and do not give up. For your work will be rewarded. Azariah, what are you talking about? Give up what? We just beat the enemy. We just beat the Cushites. There's nothing left of them. Look at all the treasure. And Ezra says, no, 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 no. Don't give up. Be strong. Actually, it literally says, give, give strength to your weak hands. And do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. And I wonder if Asa says, work? What work are you talking about? And I think the Spirit of God begins to prompt him and, and say, Ace, King Asa, look around. Look around at my people. Look around at my cities. Look around at my towns. You started this, but there's more to do. And this bonus question comes in. Does God have all of you, Asa? He's got enough of you to win battles, but God, does God have all of you? When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded the prophet, he took courage. This is going to be important because next week we're going to see, we're going to follow a very similar pattern in next week's story in the rest of 15 and 16. So I want you to pay attention to this because this is a, this is a, 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 this is a gentle, a gentle word of warning to God's church from his spirit. When we hear the prophetic word, when we hear the bonus questions, when we hear God saying, do I really have all of you? What do we do with that? Asa took courage. It says he removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Asa, do you have all, do, do, I, do I have all of your heart? If so, then don't forget the work, the most important work. I want a holy people. I want a holy nation. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, Simeon, Large numbers had come. Listen to this. He assembled all of Judah, Benjamin, the people from Ephraim, Manasseh. So these are part of the original tribes that followed Judah into the southern kingdom. We would expect that, but check this out. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel. You know what that means? That means, that means the people in the north, it's not, even, it's not even his own people anymore. It's not even his own subjects. These are people in the northern kingdom. 
People heard about what King Asa was doing. They heard about this righteous king. And they said, look, we need to go down there. That's where God's favor is. That's where God's blessing is. So the Bible says that large numbers came from the north all the way down and settled there in the land of Judah because of King Asa. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. Uh, verse 12, they entered into a covenant. Listen to this. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all of their heart. This is amazing. It's like we thought he had done all these incredible things before, but look what happens when God just, uh, God just pushes him a little bit and says, Asa, let me have all of you. You can trust me, but if you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. They, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of the ancestors, with all of their heart. Uh, verse 15, all Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. Just like he promised. When you seek God, you find him. When you don't seek God, you don't find him. God wants to be found by people. Amen? He wants to. God's waiting. It's like the game of hide and seek. You ever played hide and seek with a kid? You know? When you're playing hide and seek with a kid and you're the grown-up, do you really go hide somewhere impossible? You're weird if you do. You don't know how to play hide and seek with a kid if you do. No! You hide somewhere obvious. And you make noise. And you, like, cough out loud. Why? So the kids can find you. God wants to be found. He wants to be found by those that are seeking him. So they sought God eagerly. He was found by them. God gave them rest on every side. So impressed leads to rest. Rest, there's a test. By the way, I'm believing this, that your test will follow your rest. If you're in a season of rest, number one, I'm jealous. Number two, expect a test. Why? Because God will bring testing to ensure that your comfort doesn't become complacency. Does God want you to be comfortable Yes, he does. God loves you. God wants to give you a season of rest. He wants to give blessing to you. He really does. But what he does not want is for that comfort to become complacency. And that is such a danger in God's people. And it happens all through human history. And it happens in Israel's history. It happens in my own life. So I guarantee you that if you're in a season of rest, God in his love and in his grace will allow there to be a test to come in to help prevent complacency from taking root. So that's my takeaway for you. Your test will follow your rest. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all of his life. He brought into the temple of God, the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. And there was no more war during the 35th year until the 35th year of Asa's reign. So from rest to test to blessed. And this chapter ends on a high note. This 
So, in addition to that, your test will follow your rest. I also wrote down obedience brings blessing. That's such a simple law from the prophets and from God's word. Obedience brings blessing all the time without fail. So you take your little ribbon and put it here. Mark that page. Something happens during these years between to this week's story and next week's story. I want us just to take an inventory with the Lord. I want God to have all of me. I do, and I want him to have all of you. I want you to have seasons of rest and blessing. I want you to accomplish the work that he's called you to do. I believe you will. I believe you can.